UCLA 2021 amazing tournament run. Brought back a lot of talent. Huge expectations in 2022. Hmm. North Carolina 2022 amazing tournament run. Bringing back a lot of talent. Huge expectations for 2023. Same team, right? Not so fast, my friends. We got a lot to unpack today about why Carolina 2023 is not UCLA 2022. All coming up on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, April 26, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's All Tar Heels site. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Please remember that we are free and available anywhere you get podcasts. And for those of you watching on YouTube, hey, thanks for making this the first thing you watch today. Go ahead, if you would, subscribe. Hit that like button and ring the bell so that way you know anytime a new episode of Locked on Tar Heels drops. By the way, for those of you that are watching, you see that I am not alone today. There is a wonderful man here with me to my right. Uh, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is none other than Pack Kilby. Pack, so great to have you here. Man, welcome into the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. You know, just the opportunity to talk Carolina basketball is awesome. Can do it all day long, and so I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So uh, a little bit of background about Pac, and then I'll let him uh, talk some about that. Uh, Pac grew up in Asheville, North Carolina, lifelong Tar Heels fan. But uh, growing up, his family moved to Ada, Oklahoma, where he's lived in the Oklahoma City area most of his life, is a basketball coach, at none other than a place called Hera High School. Hera High School, you might say. Hmm, that sounds super familiar. Pack, why, why, tell the good people why they might have heard of Hera High School before. The hometown of number 45, Brady Manick, beloved Tar Heel. So this, That's right. it's, it's awesome, man. So it's, you know, he's a hero in Hera, Oklahoma. <laughs> he's, he's beloved by everybody in Hera. And so, to, to have that relationship with him and see how he's beloved by Tar Heel Nation now is just, it's so cool. That's awesome. And so, so Pac and I have developed uh, a relationship over the last several months, talking throughout um, Carolina's incredible run this past season and uh, talking all sorts of stuff from just game theory to X's and O's and, and uh, just our love of the Tar Heels and, and all of that. And so um, it made sense. Part of what we've been talking about lately is some of this UNC 2023 versus UCLA 2022. And I thought, man, what a great time to bring Pac in, Coach K in for the first time. Not that Coach K. This is Carolina's Coach K. Deal with That's right. that uh, Blue Devil Nation brotherhood, whatever. <laughs> and so so we're just going to dive right into this today. You guys will get to know Pac more as the, the days and years and months go along. But um, here's how we're going to set this up. Pac and I sent back and forth this tweet from Kevin Sweeney at CBB underscore central on Twitter. Now, full disclosure, Kevin is a, a Sports Illustrated guy like I am. And so like love and respect most of the things he does. But I'm going to say, and Pac, I think you would agree, this tweet was a little off base. So let me read it for everyone out there. 
He says this, North Carolina is now essentially UCLA from 2021-22. In March, no doubt they looked a part of an elite team, but had Baylor pulls it out, typo, in OT in the round of 32, does anyone have this team as preseason number one? I've, I've seen and heard this narrative so often now. Uh, here, here's an, I heard this on, a, on another podcast the other day. Um, somebody talking about heading into to this year with the the core four I've been calling them now returning and said if Caleb Love comes back Carolina would essentially be repeating a scenario from a season before with a not so veiled nod to UCLA and so that's what we want to begin unpacking today so so pack let me get your thoughts on it first and foremost uh, as we start to look at UCLA 2022 versus Carolina 2023. Yeah, well, I've also noticed uh, Jeff Goodman. He's he's tweeted the comparison yes. out. Yes, and even uh, Rob Douster. So a lot of the national media has been all over this UNC versus UCLA comparison, and I find it really interesting because you know, as you and I have talked about, and I'll relay the analytics of it show that North Carolina and UCLA are totally different. The the <laughs> offensive philosophies that that both teams uh, scheme out and that they use are totally drastically different. Um, the roster makeup is different, and that's one thing that that stood out to me early is um, the you know guard play is such a huge deal in March, and guard play wins you basketball games in March. And Carolina has that, whereas I feel like UCLA, you know, Tiger Campbell is obviously a great player, but we have a two-headed monster in RJ Davis <laughs> and Caleb Love, and that goes a long, long ways in March. And so yeah, there's. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody's matching that, right? Like UCLA's run was so much of Johnny Juzang just getting hot. <laughs> and and yep. I mean, like you said, you got Campbell and and Jaime Jaquez is mixing into that. But sure. it is two completely different beasts there in those runs. Yes. Well, what's interesting is, is so like just to take a step back, uh, if you look at just the rosters from Roy Williams' national championship teams, they there's four things that really stand out and it's interesting because the core four as you call them they have these these four things and uh, so when i broke it down the four things were first of all i've already mentioned great guard play north carolina has you know traditionally whether it's dean smith roy williams or huber davis we've got great guard play the ability to shoot the basketball you know you look at 05 you've got rashad mccants you've got raymond felton even Melvin Scott, um, 09, you've, you're talking about uh, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Danny Green, all three sharpshooters. <laughs> you go to 17, you got Joel Berry, Justin Jackson, who's the single-season three-point record holder. And then this team, we've got Caleb and RJ, both guys made 65-plus threes this season. So they have the ability to shoot the ball. They have the good guard play. The other thing that all three Roy Williams championship teams had was a big-time post player. Mm. You, know, you talk about Sean May, Tyler Hansbrough, Kennedy Meeks, and now Armando Baycott. And then the final and the key piece to it all is the lockdown defender. Shout out to Jackie Manuel, Danny Green, Theo Pinson, and now lockdown Leakey. I mean, th those four things have been staples for Roy Williams championship teams. And now for Hubert Davis, he has those four assets, which – Huge credit to Roy Williams because he recruited most of this team. Absolutely, uh, but it's it's such a groundwork moving forward because it's been it's been a successful layout. So why change it? And Hubert's kind of reaping the benefits of that. Yeah, and, and what's cool is he's 
doing that with some of that Roy Williams talent, but in his own way. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and he's. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, no, go I was ahead. just gonna say how he's he's kind of taken some of the NBA principles, but molded them to the Carolina philosophy because we're still upper seventies in points per game. We're still out in transition, but our half court offense is spacing and it's ball screens and just totally basically orchestrating and moving around the defense almost like chess pieces. Hubert's done a really good job of that. Absolutely. And so that, that's something we're going to have to definitely unpack in a little mm-hmm. bit as, as we talk about this UNC-UCLA comparison is the Hubert Davis versus the Mick Cronin of it all. And so we will definitely get to that. And so um, so here's the thing for me as we get ready to move uh, to move along is at face value, yes, I can get behind the fact that it's like these two teams both had good runs. I can get behind the fact that they're both bringing back a lot of, t- or both, you know, UCLA last year brought back a lot of talent, and Carolina next year will do so, and that they're going to have huge expectations. I mean, UCLA was the top five team. Carolina's going to be a consensus top five team. But ultimately, that that comparison is easy and lazy and just wrong, I would say. And so um, I, I think there's a lot more for us to unpack about some of what that looks like, even even. UCLA versus Carolina heading into the tournament last year. And so I want to do that Mm -hmm. in just a second. But first, let me tell you all that are listening about Athletic Greens. This partner is something I know a lot of people who use literally every day. I look forward to trying Athletic Greens soon myself because I'm looking for more energy, better gut health, all these things. And I don't want to be trying to remember to take a pill every morning. What is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and more to help you start your day the right way. One of the things I love is that Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly regardless of your diet. I'm on this keto diet right now. Pack, it's terrible, man. I hate it. (laughs) No sugar. I'm dying. But it works with keto, paleo, vegan, any of these diets. And the best news is Athletic Greens cost you less than $3 a day. That's more, you know, less than I'm spending on my coffee at Starbucks or wherever else. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop every day in a cup of water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and all that stuff. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs free with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com college to go ahead and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Woo, yeah, Athletic Greens Pack. We're trying to get healthy in That's here. That's right. <laughs> and you know what else is coming up this week? On Thursday is going to be the beginning of the NFL Draft, and Locked On has you taken care of there as well. For the first time ever, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from our studios in Dallas. It's going to have pick-by-pick analysis from our local team experts and gurus. So tune in all three days as our draft team guides you through every pick and every trade in real time. It all starts this Thursday, April 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, available on the Locked On NFL YouTube page and on the Odyssey app. Make sure to tune in and find out where Sam Howell is getting drafted. Let's go with that noise. 
So, Pat, as we get back into this, I even want to talk about another place um, where I think these comparisons were a little bit off or, or wrong. Heading into the 2021 tournament, looking at Ken Palm, UCLA was 45th, and so they were, like, way out of the mix. As we know, they had to go play in Dayton in the play-in game as one of the last four in, had to yep. come out of that first four, right? And they did eventually finish 15th at Ken Palm, but they were nowhere near things um, heading into the tournament. Carolina, on the other hand, 2022, they're ranked 30th at Ken Palm coming in. And I know that's decently close, 15 spots apart, but they are a fringe top 25 team heading into this year's NCAA tournament. Or, or how about this? All right, we, you and I remember, I'm sure everyone listening remembers, that painful loss, Pittsburgh at home, February 16th, right? Like. Yep. At that point, people are jumping ship. People are getting in the <laughs> rowboats. It's over. It's done. We've talked about this here on Locked on Tar Heels, and so you might remember this. But if you go to BartTorvik.com, that's one of the great analytics websites where you can look at um, uh, looking at a specific amount of time and how teams rank over that. And so if you funnel the rankings from the weekend right after that pit game all the way up through the end of the season... Carolina was third in the nation over that final six weeks of the season, behind only Kansas and Texas Tech. Uh, honestly, even m the majority of that time, if you just take it back to the heading into the final four games, Carolina was the best team in the nation. They were ranked ahead of Kansas and Texas Tech in those six weeks. And so uh, even from that kind of aspect, I think that the comparison is lazy because the Tar Heels had been operating at this higher level for six, the final six weeks of the season, whereas UCLA, legitimately for them, it was just an NCAA tournament run. What are your thoughts there, Peck? Well, first of all, my my first thought when you read that stat, which was my first time hearing it, what a testament to Hubert Davis. I mean, I know we're going to touch on Hubert Davis and Mick Cronin later, but how he adjusted his scheme and his motivational tactics to reach this team and to get buy-in and to put them in yeah. positions to succeed, I mean, just – unbelievable job by him and and not only him but I, his staff just did an awesome job but I know we're going to touch on that later but yeah, yeah you know absolutely. when I when I first hear that stat that just just rattled my mind a little bit but um it's just it's awesome to hear that because I haven't checked that website out but what I did have down was was the Ken Palm which I, I've used a lot and you know North Carolina led there's eight major statistics in the Ken Palm and North Carolina was ranked higher in five out of those eight than UCLA was. And one of the interesting things that I wrote down was that they were ranking higher in opponent offense that they mm. were facing and opponent defense. And I really and truly believe, I know that the ACC took some flack this year, but the NCAA tournament kind of put that narrative to bed. <laughs> and so – I think the schedule that they played, and not only the the ACC schedule, but the non-conference schedule. Carolina's always played a tough schedule. Um, the schedule that they played put them in a position to where they were going to have to grow. And you know, you mentioned the pit loss. You could mention the Wake Forest loss or the Miami loss, but they had positions or were put in positions where they had to grow, and they did just that. And so. That in Coach, itself. Coach Davis thanked John Calipari for beating them. <laughs> he I mean, did, yes. At the time, I was thinking, I'm not sure about that, but what do I know? So, yeah, exactly. Keep keep going. 
Well, I just find it just just interesting how that schedule has prepared them and how that helped play into being prepared for the NCAA tournament. And just, you know, I know I've mentioned it, but we're going to talk about it later, but just how the staff adjusted and how that in itself puts Carolina in a position that's better than what UCLA was in. Um, and a lot of, I think, Hubert Davis's adjustments dealt with analytics. Hmm. And you can really look at that by um, looking at like two-point field goal attempts and percentages and points per possession. Uh, if you don't mind, if I go into that go. real quick. Absolutely. Do it. Um, go. So, so UCLA, right, they took a two-point field goal attempt on 69% of their possessions, which is nearly the highest in the country. And, you know, for those of you listeners that aren't analytics nerds like, like me, <laughs> um, basically a mid-range jump shot is the worst shot in basketball point per possession wise. And, and that's really the target goal offensively is you're looking at points per possession. And what you want is layups, free throws, and catch and shoot threes. And so UCLA is running a lot of pin downs for Juzang and for Hawkes and Tiger Campbell. And those guys are catching and shooting and facing up in the mid range. And not to take anything away from them, they're really good at that. But they only shot that at a 49% clip, which is less than a point per possession. But if you go look at North Carolina, who's a lot more analytically friendly, um, especially now under Coach Davis, who's really done a good job of eliminating mid-range from the offensive scheme altogether, North Carolina's at a 1.08 point per possession, which is really, really good, and it's really yeah. efficient. And so that in itself is just it's, – it's comforting for Tar Heel Nation. You can know analytics are on our side and that this comparison – just based off that alone, is is in favor of the Tar Heels. Absolutely, yeah. Man, uh, it's just and and sure, Carolina's get, like I'm sure some people listening are thinking, well, I feel like I see R.J. Davis take some mid range shots. Yeah, you're gonna see that occasionally, but this team is really utilizing those analytics well of. <clears throat> Inside to, to, to Baycott or, or to Brady this past year or getting like RJ or Caleb getting downhill to the rim or getting good looks from outside or, as you said, the free throws being the third of those. This is the second best free throw shooting team in Carolina history. I mean, mm-hmm. come on, you know. Yeah. And so um, what else are some of those numbers you're looking at, Pac? Well, interestingly enough, you know, North Carolina – shot the two-point field goal attempt at a 50.1% clip, which is actually better than UCLA's. But when you just look at two-point field goals, that's not just mid-range jump shots. That's attacking the basket, and that's you know Armando Baycott around the rim, which is he's highly efficient, which we all know. Um, so that tells me that North Carolina's taking the right shots. Mm. If you're shooting mid-range jump shots or two-point field goal attempts over 50% clip, you're still above a point per possession and you're taking the right shots, which is a testament to our players, um, especially in the second half of the season. You know, you look at Caleb Love, he really unlocked his game as far as getting to the basket and being a threat there. And, you know, RJ at point guard, he became somebody that was just really just turned it on and was spraying the ball everywhere and we're getting people <laughs> the right shots. And yeah. Brady is highly unselfish. And so, anyways, North Carolina's taking the right shots. But another stat that really stood out to me um, and is obviously huge in analytics or just in basketball in general, was rebounding. 
sure. which we all know that's a staple in North Carolina basketball. It has been forever and will continue to be. Um, but it's 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 huge for winning basketball games. Well, North Carolina was among the top in the country. They were averaging 41.2 rebounds per game versus UCLA, who was 36.3 rebounds per game. And, you know, six rebounds doesn't seem like a huge difference on paper. Six rebounds is is a huge difference. And so um, there's a lot of things about North Carolina and, and the way that they play that differ from UCLA and make me confident in the fact that they are set up for success way more so than this uh, 21-22 UCLA team was. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, and you're spot on. I mean, the, even the way Carolina converts those second chance opportunities, not, you know, the, the six rebounds themselves are great, but, but what does it matter unless you're putting it back in the basket? And, right. uh, you know, the majority of the time, a lot of those even offensive rebounds are coming down into Armando Baycott's hands and he's just going right back up with it. Yep. And that's either that's a you know second chance put back or or a free throw kick free throw attempts or yes, kick out. Yes. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And when you've got those guys, as, as you said, um, this past year with Brady and uh, still coming back with um, Caleb and RJ, man, those kick out opportunities and hopefully Puff is is going to get hopefully man. Puff Johnson, go live with your brother and just do what he does all summer long. But hopefully Puff is just raining threes next year as well because right now it seems like, uh, I mean, there's no scholarships. He's probably going to have to step into that role vacated by Brady. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously we'll see and learn and talk a lot more about that this offseason. So, um, Pack, any other uh, stats that you wanted to share before we move here in just a minute to talking about the coaches? I think I pretty well covered it all. Um uh, one of the things that I did, I did want to mention, I found that I found this just, this is the, the numbers geek in me. I thought this was interesting. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about UCLA is a lot more mid range heavy versus North Carolina's uh, three point attempt heavy. North Carolina took 916 threes this year and shot it at a 36% clip versus UCLA who took only 671 threes this year but they shot it at a 35.5% clip, which is <laughs> nearly what North Carolina shot at. And it just amazes me. I, and it is, I guess, kind of a testament to Mick Cronin not being an analytically-minded person. But if you're shooting them at a 35% clip, you better shoot more of them. And they just didn't do that. And so I, find that re- I found that really interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, the, you're missing out on – basically a hundred free three point. If Carolina's shooting three hundred more essentially and you're making thirty five percent of those, I mean that obviously it's rough math, but that's a hundred three pointers that you could have made just by yeah. getting it up there more often. Absolutely. And and, you know, with those rebounds and those quick guards, who knows who's going to be able to track down some offensive rebounds. So that's a, that's a great stat. That's a great pull pack and a great way to, to end this segment of talking about more of the analytical um, analysis of these two teams, which speaks to a lot of who these coaches are and what they do. And so we're going to move more into Hubert Davis and Mick Cronin and their coaching staffs in just a minute. But first, let me tell you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs going on right now. I was just watching the Mavericks a minute ago. Theo Pinson's going crazy on the sideline. It was great. And the start of the Major League Baseball season. My Braves are struggling. They haven't won a series yet. Just got to get Acuna back. 
Come on. All right. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about all the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Pat Kilby, Coach K, joining us for the first time here on Locked on Tar Heels. We've been talking about uh, how lazy this comparison is to try to compare UCLA's 2021 run and their 2022 season to Carolina's 2022 uh, run and their 2023 upcoming season, which we don't know about yet. And that, that is an interesting uh, mystery and dynamic in this is we don't know how that's going to play out, but we got some good anticipation and ideas. And part of that is based on the two coaching staffs. It's really interesting. Mick Cronin, longtime experienced head coach, was at Cincinnati for a long time, really defensive-minded, and then takes that to UCLA. Let's be honest, UCLA bungled that entire coaching search, and he was about their 87th choice to land the job. But but he's, he's there, and he's done a really good job. And then Coach Hubert Davis... Uh, man, what a wild change in expectations for him from year one to year two, where year one's like, hey, just take this talent and and maybe make it to the second weekend of the tournament to now they're going to be number one preseason, probably just about everywhere, if not top two or three, and having expectations to make it not only to the second weekend, but back to the final four, which is a whole other thing. We talked about that on Monday's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Uh, you just can't have those type of expectations in an NCAA tournament style thing. Let's not worry about that right now. Let's talk about these two coaches. Pac, what do you got? Well, the first thing I wanted to point out was that I find comforting as a Tar Heel fan is that Hubert Davis had a front row seat with Roy Williams for a redemption tour already. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is really comforting because he knows, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of buttons that have to be pressed <laughs> in that head seat that he watched Roy Williams press. And I'm sure there's a lot of motivation that goes behind it. Um, and, and so he's been there and he's done that and he got to experience that once already. And, you know, I, a lot of people have mentioned that Carolina is going to have to replace Brady and they are, there's no question about it, but Hubert Davis was on a staff that won a national championship while having to replace Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, which is two <laughs> pretty big pieces too. And yeah. so that's, that was the first thing that stood out to me when I was looking at, you know, this Hubert Davis versus Mick Cronin and Hubert, he's already been through a redemption tour. And so hopefully we're about to start redemption tour 2.0. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, Pack. I haven't thought about that. I mean, Mick Cronin, how many national championships does he have to his name? Right. <laughs> Big zero. <laughs> Goose egg, that's right. Yeah, well, that's a great point. With with Mick, and I, not to discredit him because I think he's done a really good job. Absolutely. But yeah. kind of the knock on him when he was at Cincinnati was he couldn't make it out of the first round. Uh, or not the first round, but the first weekend. Because sure, uh, he had some really good teams over there at Cincinnati, which – Granted, it's not necessarily a Power 5 conference school, but they had some really good teams and they didn't make it out. Um, and the other thing I thought about with, with UCLA as a whole, and once again, not to discredit uh, Mick Cronin, but when you look at the, the coaches that they've had in the past, it's almost like the biggest momentum they can create is a coaching change. Um, mm. And I say that, but like Steve Lavin, you know, when he was there early in yeah. his tenure, he goes to the Final Four and he falls off. Ben Howland does the same thing. 
uh, Steve Offord does the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope it's not the case because I like Mick Cronin, but I almost wonder if it's going to be the same type of scenario. You know, he came yeah. in and first three years have gone well, but it's really kind of a question mark what it's going to be like moving forward. Yeah. Man, that's a great. I mean, Ben Hallen had three in a row for crying out loud, and he gets run out of town. <laughs> oh, I know it, man. It's <laughs> like, what? I guess yeah, it's those John what... Wooden expectations. Yeah, and I mean that—that's absolutely right. I mean, I think it's kind of similar to the the place Indiana's at right now, or you know, sure. trying to hold on to to maintaining that kind of blue blood status um, that that they look for. And I, I'm with you. I mean, I think Hubert Davis is helping Carolina maintain their blue blood status. Can Mick Cronin do that? I, I started laughing when you were talking about. Cincinnati, because you know what? I really hope Wes Miller gets them out of that first weekend and just yes, Carolina's, Carolina's doing all the work there. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. You know what? Here, here's the most important point about uh, the two different coaches is Hubert Davis is just infinitely cooler than Mick Cronin, right? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and I say that jokingly, but not completely. Like, there, there is something to to recruiting and, and the type of guy – that these young high school young men want to to go and play for. And when you look at, do I want to be part of a program that's got one of the best three-point shooters in NBA history, this dude who I know, like just by the way he talks, the way he carries himself, is going to love me not just as a basketball player, but as a human being. And mm-hmm. not saying that Mick, like you've been saying, like not saying that Mick Cronin can't or won't do those things, but it's just, Hubert's just got this swagger. This cachet, like at the final four, as Coach K walked out first, the the final four game came by. He's got this, I mean, just this demeanor that's just mm, set. And then here comes Hubert, and he's just cool, man. He's got this <laughs> this swagger, and it's like, man, that's that's my coach right there, you know. Like, and so so I joke about him being cooler, but I I think that carries a lot of weight. I mean, you see the way these guys respond to him. You see the fact that all four of them are coming back and Brady undoubtedly would if he could. Um, the fact that that outside of Garcia and his family scenario and Anthony Harris, outside of that, nobody yet has transferred. We still got a week. Who knows what might happen with, with Kerwin Walton or DeMarco Dunn or any of this other speculation. But honestly, at this point, I think the roster's set because everyone wants to play for Hubert Davis. I think you're spot on with that. The The best word I've found for Hubert is infectious. Yeah, he just has good. an infectious personality, and it affects everybody around him. And one of the things that really stood out to me about Hubert, and maybe the first time that I truly knew he was the perfect fit, mm-hmm. was after the Wake Forest game, he made a comment. He said, I will never coach a team absent of my personality again. And he actually, first of all, he lived that out because he challenged those guys to step up and have that personality that Carolina basketball teams do. Uh, But he just, man, he brought it out of them in a way that, in in almost a turnaround, I guess, in a sense, in a way I've never really seen before. And so he's just infectious, and that's, that's been proven time and time again by just the way that he's got these guys to buy in, the way he's grown them as individuals, but also players. And just on the run we went, and golly, the the uh, live game interview when he was on the court and he was saying, it's live action out here, Tracy. <laughs> I mean, 
that's infectious in <laughs> itself. That's just it, yeah. it's him in a in a bubble, and it's it's awesome as a Carolina fan to know that that guy is our head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And and he carries like with I, I love that word. That's a great word choice because like. I think it might have been you that said this to me the other day is like he's got some of these same Roy Williams like getting all down on the sideline and <laughs> into a stance and I'm like, man, suit Hubert Davis up, let him rain threes and get all up in guys on defense. Like uh, yeah, he's all in and it's so fun to be a part of watching that. Absolutely. And if you don't mind if I touch on that, go he ahead. does he has some Roy Williams as far as his mannerisms on the sidelines, but he has so much Dean Smith in him wow, in the yeah. way that he gives all the credit to the players. I mean, he is such, he's so good about um, giving them all the, the praise. And, you know, I listened to his final podcast with uh, Jones, the insider Carolina. And yeah. uh, he just had a great line in there. You know, they, they kind of mentioned that he had won two national coach of the year awards. And he said, he basically said in North Carolina, we point to the passer and this <laughs> is me pointing at our players saying that this award is because of them. And I mean, he just, that, that aspect of him is very much Dean Smith, but he also has Roy Williams and he has Hubert Davis. He, he brings his own touch to it. That's right. So it's, it's really cool to see. So he connects to the past of Carolina basketball, but he's leading them into the future and you, there's nobody else better or more equipped to do that. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Packa, I know uh, we're getting short on time. Is there anything else uh, you wanted to say just about these two coaches or, or anything they bring? Well, I did want to mention, I wanted to touch on this real quick. Um, you know, before Hubert became the head coach, he was um, basically, he, obviously he was an assistant, but his role was largely player development. Mm. And um, I find that to be a really key piece this year with a lot of the talk about Puff, which we mentioned. Don Trez, uh, DeMarco Dunn, Kerwin, some of the incoming freshmen like Seth Trimble or Jalen Washington. And so anyways, basically the big question mark is who's going to fill Brady's role. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that any one person does it. I think they do it by attrition. But the thing that really comforts me is that Hubert Davis is a great player development guy. I mean, he knows how to yeah. develop them. And I also want to give credit to the staff. Uh, Jackie Manuel is phenomenal at player development, and I think he was kind of brought on to replace Hubert's role in that aspect. But Jeff Lebo, and I got to watch a practice this year, just the job he did with guard play and the development we saw between Caleb and RJ, hmm. it just comforts me to know that although we had a special run this year, those guys are getting worked and they're getting developed, and they're going to be better players next year because of who they play for. And so that's going to be all the difference in, in – Hopefully, losing the national championship versus coming back and cutting down the nets. I think that's going to be a, a key piece in it. Man, that's good. That's good. And, and man, I love it. It's just so cool to see the Carolina family coming together, all these generations, all part of this coaching staff from, from Sean Way all the way back to earlier. And, and it's just, it's great. And you know what? All that said, UCLA ain't got nothing. We love you, That's John right. Wooden. You're one of the greatest coaches of all time. But 2023 North Carolina definitively is not 2022 UCLA. So get out of your lazy takes, national <laughs> media, and get on our level. <laughs> Let's go. 
Oh man, Pac, it's been so great to have you on. Look forward to having you more. Thanks so much for, for all your insight and, and research and, and thoughts today on this little uh, compare and contrast that we had. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me on and go Heels. Go Heels. Speaking of which, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please, if you would, go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow the show at Locked on Heels. You can follow Pack at Coach underscore K23. Go find him. Give him a follow. As always, you can follow me at Isaac Shade. I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. It's weird, and I know, and I'm sorry. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, on Wednesday's show, had the opportunity to sit down for an interview with women's lacrosse player Jamie Ortega. Like, unreal. This woman is a stud, and you need to make sure you tune into that one as the ladies get ready for the ACC tournament coming up this weekend. Redemption tour of their own coming up. They're going to get a national championship. I believe it. So thank you so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every day. And now let me encourage you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for spending part of your Wednesday hanging out with me and Pac, talking Carolina versus UCLA. You know who's coming out on top. You know why? Because it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Right, Pat Kilby? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know it. Hey, guys, until tomorrow, peace. Peace.